Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. This is episode 131. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. We are very excited to have you here, and as we bring in the new year once again, we're very excited about all the new Star Wars news that we're getting for the year 2019. And as we get closer to Celebration, Jesse, we're going to get a ton more info, so... Without any further ado, let's just uh, get right into the news. And Count Dooku was released this past week on Star Wars Battlefront 2. And I had been saving up all my credits, Jesse, to make sure that I had Count Dooku when he was released. And he was released just a couple days ago. He's awesome. Very much my style of, of gameplay. Um, I don't know about you, but I prefer to play like the heroes versus villains game modes, and I like to be guys with lightsabers. So like Grievous and Dooku and Obi Wan and like all the Jedi and stuff like that, Jedi and Sith, because it just works to my strengths better as a game player. Like I like to be right up in your face as I'm fighting you, versus like shooting. So I feel the exact same way so when i was reading up on dooku and i watched this little demo mm-hmm. of him i and it talked about how getting right up and one-on-one dueling is gonna be like his biggest strength in the game i was like oh my gosh i like require a lightsaber in order to be <laughs> relatively decent at this yeah. game because i have no aim whatsoever and then I'm always finding myself just running straight up to people and punching them in the face because I, again, have no aim whatsoever. So Dooku, I feel like, would be perfect for me. I'm really excited for him. Yeah. And he's got the lightning, which, of course, is very iconic for Dooku. And um, a couple of his other abilities are really nice, too. He can um, he does this ability where if you push both, at least on Xbox, you push both of the bumpers, the... R bumper and L bumper, and then Dooku like brings his lightsaber up to the center of his face, like we see him do a bunch of times in Star Wars, and then that sort of increases the rate at which he swings around his lightsaber, and he'll like just swing faster. And it's supposed to be more of an aggressive style, um, Dooku, like more of a duelist, which is pretty cool. And then I believe his other ability is to sort of like stun his opponents if you're around. Um, it like makes them slower or something like that. It's something to that effect. I can't remember exactly what it is, but Dooku's awesome and he looks really good. He fights awesomely and they also added Geonosis to a bunch of the game types like Heroes vs. Villains and Blast. I believe they also added another um, appearance for the clones, one of the other like clone battalions, which is pretty cool. So... You know, as the game continues to go, we're going to continue to get more people. And I believe Anakin is the next 
um, hero that they're adding, which will probably, and don't quote me on it, but it'll probably be February. So um, Battlefront stuff continue to continue to get released, which is awesome. Now we just need Anakin to come out with a special move that decapitates Dooku. <laughs> that would be awesome. I don't know if they'll do that, but that would be pretty cool. I feel it's necessary. So in other exciting news, we also are going to have at Star Wars Celebration this year a booth from Rancho Obi-Wan. There's going to be all kinds of fun stuff on display. And if you don't know what Rancho Obi-Wan is, it's a huge fan-made collection by Steve Sansweet. Um, he's just got, I mean, Eric, you've been there. I've never been there. But he just has massive amounts of Star Wars collectibles, mm -hmm. memorabilia, fan art. Um, so he's bringing all that to Celebration Chicago. And... Um, the focus of this booth is going to be pins and patches. There's also going to be a um, helmets section, different artists, as well as Darth Vader's mask um, or helmet from Return of the Jedi. And then there's also going to be a section of the display that is Star Wars collector's items from a female perspective, which I think is really interesting. I can't wait to see what that yeah what that means yeah definitely and i think um you know i've i've been out to rancho obi-wan a bunch of times and i've worked with steve um both as a volunteer at the conventions with him like celebration i believe it was six in orlando i worked as a volunteer at the booth and um They've got great stuff. So typically what they do is they have a theme. Um, I remember one year they had R2-D2 and Princess Leia stuff because Kenny Baker and Carrie Fisher both died in the same year. And so they wanted to pay their respects and stuff like that. So, um, Jesse, you kind of just listed off some of their themes, like with the pins and patches and stuff like that. I know one year they did, like, it was a kid's bedroom, and it might have even been the same year as the Leia and R2 stuff, but it was sort of like what a kid's bedroom in the 70s and 80s would have looked like with all the vintage, like, bed sheets and stuff like that. So they do a really great job keeping it different every time. Um, so even if you've been to the Rancho Obi-Wan booth at one of the celebrations, I highly recommend trying to go visit this again because they're going to have a bunch of new stuff. And um, there's usually a line like they, they bring a lot of stuff. And so there's usually a line to get in. And I don't know for sure if they do this, but um, in previous years, if you are a Rancho Obi-Wan member, like if you pay a, a membership every year, um, which I believe is like 30 or 40 bucks or something, it's really not bad. And it just goes to help keep the museum up and running and stuff like that. Electricity, there's a lot of bills and stuff that goes into keeping something like that going um but essentially you get like a fast pass so you get to skip ahead of the line um if you're a member which is awesome so if you're not a member i highly recommend looking into that as someone who i don't know when i'll ever get out to california to be at this collection in person i'm i'm really excited because i hear you talk about it all the time and it's more like like an archive more even than a collection so i'm stoked that i get to see a little part of it here in chicago yeah 
And speaking of celebration, Jess, we have a lot more guests that were announced this week, and this is something that I know it's kind of a hit or miss for, for people if you want to meet the fan, uh, meet the actors or get autographs or whatever. I personally love doing it because I've grown up with these, and I just love to meet the people who brought some of my favorite characters to life. And some of the new guest announcements are Dave Chapman, who is one of the puppeteers for BB-8 in The Force Awakens. Um, Greg Grunberg, he's awesome. He's actually Temin Wexley, Snap Wexley in The Force Awakens, who, um, if you've watched any of the behind the scenes for The Force Awakens or anything like that, um, he is one of J.J. Abrams' good friends, like he grew up with him or something. So um, J.J. brought him into The Force Awakens, and he may end up being... Um, I, I believe I saw his name on the list for episode 9 as well, so that's going to be pretty cool. Greg Proops, who does Fode, who is one of the heads of the two-headed pod race announcers in episode 1. We have Ian Michelini, and he is um, General Dodonna in Rogue One, which is pretty cool. He's also got a huge part, I believe he's Sir Barristan in um, Game of Thrones, which is awesome. And then we also have Jonas Suetomo, who has played Chewbacca. He did most of Chewbacca's stuff in The Force Awakens. There was a couple scenes where Peter Mayhew actually reprised the role as a character. But Jonas has done The Last Jedi, most of The Force Awakens, and Solo as well. So um, obviously that's going to be a big one. Uh, we've got Orly Shoshan, who's Shock T. And I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure she's a Chicago local, which is pretty awesome. We have Paul Casey, who is Admiral Raddus in Rogue One. And he also does a bunch of other like creatures and stuff like that. I know he does Kai Thranali and Elo Asti, who are the aliens, um, some of the Resistance pilots that we actually see in The Force Awakens and in The Last Jedi. And we've got Sam Witwer who's a big name. I know a lot of people were excited to have him um, announced who he is the voice of Darth Maul in um, Clone Wars, Rebels, and in Solo, which is pretty awesome. And he also does, he's um, Starkiller from the Force Unleashed video game, and he's also the son from Clone Wars as well. So he's, he's a huge voice actor. And, I mean, I don't know about you, Jesse, but the guest list continues to, to grow and, and, you know, very, very exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm really stoked to see a lot of these people. I think especially Sam Witwer, he, that's just, like, a huge name for me. Even Snap, Tenen. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited just from, like, the Aftermath series. I know this actor has nothing to do with that, but you're like, yeah. oh, it's Tevin. Yeah. <laughs> He's a cool character. I like what they did with his character. And now, you know, after if watching The Force Awakens and reading about him, you have a face to, to put with the name. And, you know, his character continues to um, be, be popular. Like, he's in the Star Wars Destiny game, and he's in the X-Wing game, and stuff like that. So, you know, good for him. Solo, A Star Wars Story is nominated for an Oscar in the 91st Academy Awards, which is going to be on Sunday, February 24th. And it's been historically pretty rough for Star Wars to win, um, especially lately, you know, since the original trilogy. It's been really hard um, for Star Wars to win. But at least 
you know, getting nominated is is pretty exciting. So Solo was nominated for Best Visual Effects. So cross your fingers, and hopefully the Force is with Star Wars this time. All right, so as always, with our new episodes that are coming out, we have been talking a lot about Star Wars Resistance, which is the new animated show on the Disney Channel. And we got a new episode this past week called Dangerous Business. And as always, we do not want to be the one to spoil anything for you. So if you have not watched that episode, turn back now. Uh, We will be talking about spoilers. So, Jesse, first and foremost, this episode as a whole, what do you think? I really enjoyed this episode because I felt like we got to see Kaz growing. Like, Mm -hmm. just he's finally, you know, he's starting to learn from the fireball team he's learning to be a mechanic and he's even starting to look like a spy now like he's got tricks up his sleeve it was i enjoyed this one yeah i think you're totally right there you know he even at the beginning of the episode he took initiative like in previous episodes where we've seen him sleeping and had to be woken up by you know yeager like in that one episode where he was going to see Poe and stuff like he met at the little coffee machine thing that they had and Tam was like getting coffee and stuff and they had that conversation and he was so tired and now granted we haven't seen what time of day this episode was at but he was taking initiative to try and fix the fireball and get it ready for Tam to use you know um without being asked to do so now granted he didn't do it totally right but he was still trying his best and taking initiative to do that and then, like you said, you know, with he's got tricks up his sleeve and he was taking initiative and he had a plan for when he got trapped into in, you know, in that cargo container. Like he seemed really like he kind of knew what he was doing. Yeah, he looked he looked like a real like James Bond spy in that <laughs> container, like finding his little lens and using it to, you know, magnify the laser. That was I like literally that was the moment where I was like, okay, Kaz is a spy now. Like he's starting to figure this out. And really, I mean, Orca and Flix, like they, yeah, they made this deal where they were going to trade parts for Kaz to like watch the store for the day. But really, I mean, they had to put a lot of trust in Kaz, even, even trading for parts. Like that's a lot of trust to put in someone to watch your store with so many rules like, oh, don't even go back there and you know, don't even look back there. Like there's crazy stuff back there and, and everything. So I feel like they had to put a lot of trust in Kaz as well. I also, I don't know if I saw him actually get money for that first part he took. Mm-hmm. They were like, give the part, get money, do this, get money and also get their money. And then the first part that he sold, I actually don't think I saw him get money for it. Oh, so, really? Yeah. <laughs> Huh. But I could have missed it. I'll have to go but. back and watch. I don't. Uh, I thought she put money down, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Because are you talking about the purple lady? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. That's interesting. This was this was one where I was just waiting for something to happen. Like in a lot of the other ones, there was there was like one major thing in the episode where I was like, oh, that's gonna be good for the podcast." And as time went on, I was like, "What?" Like, what are we talking about here? Like, yeah, we see Kaz grow and stuff, but I finally found it. And this Turog Key guy, 
So he says he works for the Mining Guild, and they're clearly involved with the First Order, and he wants this phase connector, right? And one of the interesting things to me is that Orca and Flix at the end of the episode, they're like, oh yeah, that Tarag Key guy, he's been, or Taraj Key, that's what they call him, Taraj Key. Taraj Key, he's been looking for this phase connector for years. So to me, that means one, the First Order's had a presence on the Colossus for many years, which is kind of interesting. Two, it made me think, and I was like, well, Obviously, I know that we're before The Force Awakens, but really has the First Order had like a huge presence or, you know, around the galaxy or what's going on? I know we talked about this before with like people recognizing stormtroopers or not knowing what's underneath their helmets or whatever. And from The Force Awakens, we know that stormtroopers are taken as as children, right? We see that with Finn, like he was taken as a baby or a kid. And raised to be a stormtrooper. So we know a lot of the stormtroopers that we see here in Resistance were taken as kids. So we know the First Order's been around for a little while. But it just got me thinking about the timeline again. I mean, it still to me seems like their presence on the Colossus is new. Yeah. I, f- I feel like the Colossus is super isolated. So maybe that's just why they don't know much about stormtroopers and don't know. I mean, they're literally just this little station in the middle of a planet so it doesn't seem like maybe if a lot of these people have spent you know a lot of their lives here they wouldn't they would have these weird questions you know like it's like a right distant little station in the middle of nowhere is the feeling that i get from it so they just might not have any experience with them and so far until now and that's why they have all these misconceptions of what's going on under the helmet Right. But I mean, like, for Taraj Key to have been after this phase connector for years, that must mean that the First Order's presence has been on the Colossus for years, or at least they've had spies like this Taraj Key guy. Yeah, I definitely spies. That, I was thinking about how, because I feel like we've been operating on the, under the assumption that Kaz is looking for this one particular spy mm-hmm. for the First Order. At least that's the impression I was under for a while. Mm-hmm. But this really made me feel like they, the First Order just has spies all over the place. Yeah. This is at least the second spy that comes right to my mind on top of Sonara, the pirate spy. Mm-hmm. She's basically a spy for the First Order. Um, even though yeah. she's got like some steps involved there, but so it's it's becoming more apparent that they're basically riddled with spies on this station. Yeah. Well, they say that this phase connector was used for mining or excavating or things like that, and we obviously know that the First Order has a super weapon, so it's very clear what they're preparing for and, and stuff like that. As far as, like, the spies, like what you were saying, I definitely think that it's probably more than one person. I think that a couple weeks or a couple months ago, we did a show where we were talking about updated thoughts on, like, who the spy could be. And I brought up this point where I was talking about the background characters and, like, how sometimes... A bunch of the characters we see are reoccurring and sometimes that could just be because they don't want to create a new design for another background character so 
maybe they throw you know a recycled look in with a new face or a new paint or you know different color skin or whatever but a lot of the characters that we had mentioned before in being reoccurring characters i have not seen lately i don't know if you've been paying attention to that but i haven't seen any of the ones where i was like oh yeah this person's been around in almost every episode like at least once in the hallway or something yeah i haven't noticed your little janitor guy in a while um but i do still feel like i see like this um i just saw her name the i don't know her species either it's purple girl <laughs> the purple girl with the spikes mm-hmm. in her head that yeah. bought the first item from kaz yeah we see we've i notice her all the time okay. um i don't so i mean so- i don't know if it's in every episode but mm-hmm. i've noticed her a lot i feel like they do that if to me it, i've i've not really thought much of it other than when we kind of brought it up with funny janitor guy yeah to me, at first thought, it's that it's trying to demonstrate how small the Colossus is and mm-hmm. how often you would see the same people over and over again. But yeah, I feel like I feel like there's still gonna be somebody coming out of the, these little woodworks that we're noticing that's gonna be a spy. Yeah, and I mean, what percentage of the people that are on the Colossus do you think are actually there, just living a normal life because that's what they know? Like, I feel like there's different classes. There's the, you know, the high class, the upper class with the aces and, you know, and Doza Tower and and everything. And then you have sort of like the mechanics and, and stuff that are the lower class. But I feel like the lower class could be where the spies are. I don't necessarily think like any of the aces are spies or maybe they are. I don't know. That would be really surprising to me. I don't think any of the aces are spies either, just off off top. Because they seem um, really interested in defending the Colossus against the pirates and, you know, against the First Order and stuff. So um, Even just in the, the preview for the rest of the season, and there's a clip in there where they show them grounding the aces, mm-hmm. and Hype Faison specifically is like, oh my god, what are you doing? And... I just, I just really would be really, really surprised, especially if the first order is doing its best to get them out of the way. Mm-hmm. It would, it would be really surprising to me if one of them turned out to be spies. So yeah, I feel like it's gonna be more of these like underground people who are more on the lowdown. It's easier to have them infiltrate as spies for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and. You know, I think they're doing a good job over at Lucasfilm making us kind of discuss this a lot. Because we know there's a spy, and and I think it's not totally obvious. Right. So I think they're doing a fantastic job of keeping us on the edge of our seat and, and you know, showing us how this little station out in the middle of nowhere is important. Yeah, I, I'm excited for it all to tie together. It just feels like we're getting closer and closer to that with every episode. Yeah. Now, if you're okay with it, Jesse, I'm going to read, literally it's one sentence long, of a description for the next episode. Yeah. Okay. So the next episode, which will be this Sunday on January 27th, it's called The Doza Dilemma, 
which is pretty interesting. And there's actually a clip out now. You can actually find it on YouTube, which is pretty cool. The description says, Sonara settles into life on the platform, but her pirate compatriots have other plans for her. So this might be kind of like what we talked about before with maybe Sonara becoming comfortable on the Colossus, making friends, and eventually deciding to help out against the pirates. Uh, I would love that so much. Because it's like... <laughs> yeah. We're getting spies are cropping up like we've been saying and it seems like there's going to be a million of them so it would be so much more fun to have one of them be like you know what forget this i'm gonna double agent there's always a double agent is always more fun we have so many unsuspected enemies that maybe there'll be an unsuspected ally that comes to the rescue Yes. yes she's interested me from the beginning so i'd be really excited for her to be on Kaz's team. Yeah. All right, well, any final thoughts on Dangerous Business? I do have a fun fact. Okay. Um, I found on, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Buckets List. It's a little quick list of um, fun facts, basically, from every episode of Star Wars Resistance that StarWars.com puts out. And in this episode, Flix... Um, and Orca, they go to visit Flix's mother, and mm-hmm. they start joking around that he's part Gungan, um, <laughs> when clearly he's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when are you uh, gonna be honest with yourself? Yeah. No, <laughs> Gungans don't I, have feathers. <laughs> and he's the most interesting-looking Star Wars alien to me, maybe that I've ever seen. Yeah. I'm just so interested in where he comes from. Um, but I believe we've mentioned it on the show before that he is a new alien species created for this um, specific show, Star Wars Resistance. It's called a Gozo. Um, but what's interesting about it is that his design is based off of a Ralph McQuarrie sketch that was an early concept art for the Ewoks. So wow. I just thought that was pretty interesting. That is interesting. It's amazing how many different things that, you know, we see in Star Wars... 42 years later that were original concepts from Ralph McQuarrie for the first ever series, you know, the first trilogy. Like, it's it's crazy to me how we get that. Like, the lightsaber designs, some of the designs for Chopper, everything in, like, Rebels, the, you know, the colors of Lothal and, and stuff like that. And now here we are in Resistance in the year 2019, and we get like original concepts for Ewoks thrown in there as a totally new species. That's awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. I'll post this little um, concept art drawing from Ralph on our Instagram. So if you guys are interested in seeing this, you can head on over there. Yes. And I think this is what I'm going to do. Before we do our next show on Resistance, I think I'm going to go and watch some of the previous ones again because I felt like we were really in a roll with episodes and then we had the break for the holidays and then, you know, you get like one episode a week and it's just, I'm trying to, trying to kickstart this back up again, you know? So I feel like, at least for me, it'll be, maybe some random thought will pop into my head and it'll be like, oh, Eureka, I know who the spy is, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've actually been thinking that too, because I mentioned in the last show that I have been having a hard time getting into this show, and I wonder if it's because of like the choppiness in which I've been watching it. Mm. So I was actually thinking I might go back and do the same thing. 
Yeah. Well, when my girlfriend and I, we were doing our Star Wars, uh, like, marathon, and we're done with it now, but we, when we were going through it, it's always, it's always different because she had not seen any episodes of Resistance yet, and as we're going through it, the first episode was like, it's, it's different, right? It's a change. So she's like, I don't know if I like it. I'm so attached to Rebels and Clone Wars. And then as we got through it and we watched like, you know, over two days, we watched maybe 10 episodes or whatever it was. She really began to love it. And I love it too. I think it's a great show. I think it gives us a lot of information and, and story um, prior to the events of the sequel trilogy, which are important. But I think I love binge watching things. And this 22 minutes a week is, is hard to, it's hard to snowball. Right. I think we're so used to binge watching now, too. Yeah. But I just keep reminding myself that I felt the exact same way about Rebels. Like, as weird as it is to look back on it now, I did. I was like had a weird feeling about Rebels when it first started. I did not like the animation, which is ridiculous sounding to me now because I love the animation. Yeah. As we got further and further into the episodes, I I love rebels so much now it's weird to think about how i remember in that first season being like i don't know if i can do this they changed the animation too much it's too weird and then i fell in love with it so i just keep reminding myself that with rebels i'm sure i will get into it at some point yeah i do appreciate the animation a lot already i think it's fun and different but yeah i know i'll get there so a binge watch will help with that i think definitely All right, and that'll pretty much do it for this episode. Jesse, before we go, do you want to tell people where they can find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at Twin Sons Outpost. All right, and if you're looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app, which can be downloaded from the Google Play Store, or you can find us on iTunes. And if you like our show, you're with us every week, and you think we're pretty wizard, feel free to leave us a review on one of those platforms. All right. Thank you so much for listening to episode 131 of Twin Sons Transmission. We'll see you next time, and may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Sons Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Sons Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Air Master, Tatooine. It's controlled by the Hut. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you will not have to meet the king.